Welcome to Your Courageous Journey. This is Julie Fairber. And this is Julie Sickles. And we're so excited to meet with you today. For those of you who are new joining us, just to let you know of our format, we have an interview and we rotate having an interview one week. And then the following week, we follow up sharing a psychological principle or personal development principle that can help benefit your life that kind of comes from the interview from the week before. And today I'm so, so, so excited to be able to introduce you to Kirk Duncan. Just a little bit of history. Probably, I think it was about six, seven years ago, I was first introduced to Kirk. I went to one of his programs called Master Your Influence. And I have to say that it's been an amazing and tremendous journey for me as I've dove into the personal development world. And Kirk has been, Kirk and his family have been a really important part of that journey. I love Kirk and his wife, Kim. I've also worked with Cody, his son, and they're all just incredible and so amazing. And I've kind of shared their amazingness with Julie Fairbairn as well. So I just feel super blessed to be able to have Kirk on our podcast and for me to be able to introduce him to all of you. So we want to start off first, Kirk, by just having you introduce a little bit more about yourself. Wow. Thank you. This is super cool. And I love that you do this. I love that you are doing this work so you can send messages out and provide great opportunities for people to be able to find answers, find solutions, find what they're looking for. Because I know that people are out there looking for insight and help. And for the two of you to put this together is like super cool. I am so tickled that you following your purpose and your mission to serve people. And so that's what happened to me. You know, I, I currently right now I do webinars, I have online trainings and I literally teach people all over the world. And what I'm fascinated by is that we're finding that there's a lot of people who live on islands that we Mm. reach because of online. Mm -hmm. And where I, I had spent, invested actually 15 years of live events where I was doing a seminar, a three-day seminar every single month for 15 years. That's a lot of seminars. And yes, some of those is. months, some of those months we did two in a month. Mm. Every fourth month we did two in a month. It was a lot of seminars, a lot of people and Audiences ranged anywhere between 500 to 1,200 people in mm. every audience. And the word spread because people were sharing what they were learning and there was referrals and people would talk about it. And it was just beautiful, beautiful, absolutely beautiful to do live events. But yeah, I, that's what I do is I'm a coach, I'm a presenter, but really deep down inside, I don't want people to hit the bottom and not know what to do because mm, yeah. that's what happened to me. Like mm-hmm. I, I hit rock bottom, like, you know, now is about, about 20 years ago and I didn't know what to do. And it was scary and a dark place and I had nobody to turn to. And it really spooked me. And I just don't want somebody else to have to go through that by themselves. I want to be able yeah. to help people avoid that rock bottom and avoid that scary spot because it's not a good place to be. And I don't think people really have to go there. I really don't think they have to, if they just know what to do. So Mm -hmm. my personal mission is really to help people understand who they are, what they can do, how to activate their mind, how to get done what they want to get done and really live a purposeful life. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, I love doing that. I love doing that. I love creating classes and content and webinars, but it's not bad because I used to be a really shy guy. Mm. <laughs> a really big introvert. That's what's crazy is I was an introvert first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but sometimes we change, right? For yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. You learn new skills. And uh, well, and what I love about it is I think that sometimes we use words to define us. But you've taken control of your life and you're like, I'm going to define who I am and what I do. And an introvert can be a public speaker. They can be a coach. They can be someone who reaches so many people. And I think that's beautiful. I would have to say that I remember in seventh grade, I took a test and the teacher told me what career I was going to have for the rest of my life. And I did not like the careers they picked for me. Oh no. They said, you're going to function best if you do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And I looked at them and I said, I don't want to do that. (laughs) That's kind of what you're going to grow up to be. In seventh grade, they're going to tell you that, huh? Seventh grade. And I was like, I I went home super depressed. I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I was very disturbed about that. So (laughs) labels, right? That's, mm-hmm. there's a danger there when a label gets put on us or we unconsciously put it on us. But if we got like really involved with it and we started labeling ourselves at a higher level, now it's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So, and that was something that I had to change about myself is how I was labeling myself. Right. So, yeah, I love what I do right now. And I got to say, if I went to a high school reunion, people would go, no way, no way. <laughs> Kirk Duncan, the kid who doesn't talk, the kid who didn't participate in anything in high school. I was just a quiet guy. Yeah. And I really believe what happens is when we start to find our purpose, we just light up. Like there's a whole new personality that comes out. Right. You know, I and I see it happen. Like one of my clients recently, they've done some work on themselves and they've lit up. And it's like, what? (laughs) This is so awesome. So it's like every person has like this chance, but you got to do certain things, right? There's certain things you got to do to like wake up the mind and wake up your passion. And and I hope we get to that. I I love to share a couple of those, you know, so that everyone who's listening is like, what do you do? How do you do that? It's like, all right, well, let's, let's talk about that. But I got to tell you, doubt was my big one. That was my bully was to doubt myself, question myself. Is it okay if I tell that story? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, so I was in sixth grade. And this is a funny story. It like scarred me forever. Like it Mm. was really bad. And I was in sixth grade and I was terrible in math. And I went home and I had this math assignment and I was sitting at the kitchen table and I was doing really bad at it. And my mom walked up and goes, let me help you. She helped me get my homework done. And I was like, whoa, that's amazing, mom. You are so smart. I went to school the next day and before class, other kids were struggling. And so I actually stepped out to like help them. Like mm-hmm. I, I like went beyond my comfort zone and all of a sudden I became the most popular kid in the class to help everybody with their homework. And I was so excited. I was like, so pumped, you know, like, wow, I matter. I'm like, cool. You know, I'm <laughs> accepted, you know, and the cool kids were talking to me and everything. And the next day the teacher stepped in front of the class and said, I don't know what happened, but every single one of you got a zero on your math assignment. Oh. The whole class got a zero. And all of a sudden it went from popular 
Oh no. Like they just wanted to beat me up. Like I remember a couple of the girls like crying because their mom was oh, getting no. so mad at them. And I was the problem. Like I was the one who messed everybody up. From that day on, I doubted anything that came out of my mouth. Mm. Oh wow. Isn't it interesting? Like there's things that happen to us when we're kids that like condition us or put us in a particular direction. I didn't know that story was haunting inside of me, but anywhere I went, I would never be the first one to speak. I would never be the second one to speak. Like I really questioned myself and I never told my mom that I got a zero and everybody else got zeros. And still to this day, she doesn't know. So oh, she no don't know. <laughs> well, if she Nobody hears this, my mom. Know. <laughs> but I... Yeah, don't don't tell my mom. If somebody tell this, I won't tell her. Yeah, and they know my mom. And if somebody tells my mom, oh, you are so busted. I'm going to toilet paper your house. I mean, it's, <laughs> don't, don't tell my mom. It'd break her little heart. But interesting enough, it caused me to doubt myself, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I doubted myself for years and years and years. And, and it became my biggest wrestle was my doubt. Like, who am I? What what do I do? What How do I matter? And then coupled with doubt is comparison, you know, like, oh, look at me, look at you, look where I'm messed up, look where you're good, compare my worst to your best, you know, and that's like an endless cycle of yeah. getting caught up into it. You can, you, there's always things that you can compare yourself to oh, and people goodness. that you can compare yourself to and comparing oh. yourself to yourself and oh, yeah, it's, just, it's never ending. Weird, weird. Like I, I remember like going down one of those little twisty slides when I was a kid and it's like. That's what it feels like, but a never ending twisting slide <laughs> down. It's yeah. like, stop the slide. But yeah, doubt just consumed me. And for my church, I went out on this, on this service mission for two years and I got a little taste of leadership and I did good with leadership while I was out there. But I still had a lot of doubt inside of me. And so when I came home, I didn't know what to do with school. I mean, I would do little side jobs and, oh, and then I met this girl and I really liked her. And so I married her. And when we, when we got married, here's how much doubt was controlling me. When I got married, I had no job. I owned no vehicles. And when I got married, I had $150 in my pocket and I had no job. And we literally, when we came back from our honeymoon, I actually forgot to find a place to live. <laughs> like we literally were driving back into town and I looked at my wife and I went, oh, where are we staying tonight? And she goes, that was your job. And I go, oh, I forgot. Oh, no. <laughs> so doubt like messes with your head. You can't really, like, really think and plan and, and do things. Like I was so backwards, so backwards. Like we had to literally go to her dad's house and like live in the camper because we had nowhere to live and I had no job, but we got married. (laughs) It was so, it was, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. Like what in the world? And so I finally got a job. I was working in a warehouse. That was my first job after being married as I swept floors and stacked boxes in a warehouse. Mm -hmm. And I worked for that company for actually 14 years. And I just, I didn't know what I wanted to become. There just wasn't anything I felt like I could do. And it was really, it's like my seventh grade teacher was right. Wow. I I doubted myself so much. I I just could not make a choice. Unfortunately, what that doubt did is 
it caused me to hesitate a lot and procrastinate a lot. Mm-hmm. And then because I hesitated and procrastinated because I just didn't know what I wanted to do or what to do next, everything got bad really fast. Finances got bad. My integrity, like I wasn't doing what I said I would do when I said I would do it. And so I, I really didn't like myself. And that all threw me into depression. Mm-hmm. It was ugly. And I just was super bummed out all the time. And I'd make mistakes like crazy. And my wife was mad at me all the time. My kids always wondered like, what in the world? What kind of dad are you? But I would still smile, you know, when I'd see the neighbors or go to church or go to the store, I'd smile. But inside it just got worse and worse and worse. I mean, I don't think we realize how dangerous doubt actually is. It's not just a negative emotion, but it's actually dangerous because it sent me into this level of depression I started having all these negative thoughts in my head and it really like it was sneaking up on me. And when those negative thoughts got in my head, I mean, it was very descriptive. It's like the devil just loves it when people doubt because he knows where it's going to take them. And when I started getting really bummed out about myself and all the stuff that was going on in my job that I had, my boss was always yelling at me because I'd forget things or not do things on time. And And so one day when I was driving home, I just like literally heard the devil say, this is how you kill yourself and you're going to feel so much better and you should do it today. Mm. And I'm driving home. And the weirdest thing is I actually felt relief. Mm. I was going to get out of all this pain. I was going to get out of all this trouble and all this mess that I created. It was the weirdest feeling. Like I felt this sigh of relief, like, oh, good, I can end this. And, but at the same time, I'm like, wow, it makes sense why people choose death by suicide. Like it made sense. I'm like, wow, this really makes sense. And, and I could even observe and go, wow, the devil really gets involved with this and plays tricks. Because he didn't just say, oh, you should kill yourself. He was like, hey, you should run away. Mm. And I agreed. And he goes, you should run away for a long time. And I agreed. I'm like, yeah, I should. And he goes, yeah, you should go home today and pack your bag. And just be gone for two weeks. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. So he like started out small and got me agreeing to each one of these things. And he's like, yeah, what if you ran away and you never came back? I was like, oh, that sounds good too. And he goes, yeah, what if you ran away and you never came back and no one ever knows where you went? I was like, oh, that even sounds better. And then he goes, oh yeah, then what if you ran away and And you never came back and you never had to worry about anything ever again. You didn't have to worry. It's like, yeah, I don't want to worry. And so it's like he led me down this conversation. And this is why I'm driving home on the freeway on I-15 between Provo and Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. It was a 30-minute drive. And he walked me down this conversation that was so intriguing and so refreshing. By the time it got to the end and he's like, oh, you know what? You could actually get away from all that today if you just did this. And I was like, that's all I have to do? Yeah. Well, okay, that makes sense. Like it made sense. And when I got to the house and I'm sitting in the parking lot with all the details, no question what to do and all the reasons why I ought to do it, like he layered the number of reasons why I ought to check out. And it made such, it was the first time in years of my life that something actually made so much sense. Wow. And so it was like a no brainer. It was like, done, I'm doing this. But I guess heaven and God decided 
to send my son home from school early that day for some reason. And he interrupted the whole thing. He came mm-hmm. home early and he's like, dad, why are you still sitting in your truck? What are you doing? And I was like, uh, um, and he's like, come inside, play with me. Uh, uh, and he just was relentless at me going inside and playing with him. Just relentless. He's like, come play Legos with me. Just come play. And that day, Legos saved my life. I mean, my son mm-hmm. saved my life. And I still tell him today, thank you. Like every time I see him, I'm like telling him, thank you. Because he interrupted the whole process. And I go inside, we dump the bucket of Legos out. And I'm laying on the floor playing with him. And I'm realizing it was at that point that I would have already been gone. Like mm-hmm. nobody, wow. yeah, I would have, it would have been over. And it was really fascinating. I've never told somebody this before. But while I was laying on the floor playing Legos, I went from this wide awake, like, like looking at myself going, what was I going to do? And looking at it from another angle going, I can't believe I got to that point. Yeah. I'm a church boy. You know, I go to church. You know, I, I like do my thing. And it's like, how did the devil get in my head? And then the next thing that happened was I got mad. Mm. I got really mad. Like, how did the devil get in my head? And I'm like, wait a minute. He almost got me. And then I got like, I don't know, there's mad and then there's warrior mad. There's like, <laughs> there's like I, I'm mad, but I, I'm going to like, I'm not only mad, but I'm like fighting mad. That gives you a lot of energy. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and all of a sudden it's like things change and I'm like, okay, I'm ticked. I'm really bugged that he got in my head and I don't know how he got in there. And I literally was still laying on the floor playing Legos and I was backtracking my steps to go, I need to figure this out because this is what he's doing to other people. Yeah. And I started backtracking and I not only backtracked like over the last day, but the last couple days, the last couple weeks, the last couple months. And I spent the next like literally two to three weeks backtracking for years of wow. like, how did I get to this point? Cause that was the close call of my entire life. And I don't want anyone to ever get tricked. Like I was tricked and I backtracked it to doubt. Wow. And I hear people all the time go, Oh yeah, I just really struggle with doubt in myself. And it like throw this alarm in my head. Like <laughs> you have doubt. Oh crap. Do you, do you know where that goes? Like I never say it to people like doubt mm-hmm. leads to suicide. I don't, I mean, that's a long process. There's a lot of steps in there, mm-hmm. but it's the beginning of this decline. Doubt is dangerous. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? I don't know if I'm saying yeah. all the right details for you to get this part, but it really fired me up. And when I was like dissecting, like how this stuff happened, I like woke something up inside of me and I started immediately, like within two days, I heard somebody say, oh yeah, I just really doubt myself. And I went, no, 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 you, no, don't do it. And they're like, what what do you mean? I go, okay, we got to go a different direction. And I started helping people. Mm -hmm. I would hear doubt, I would get involved and I had to figure out well, what's the other direction? Yeah. If you're not in doubt, what is the other thing we go for? And is it hope? Is it belief? 
Is it your dreams? Is it a goal? And, and at that point, it was like, I don't care where we're going. We're just not going down this doubt trap, right? <laughs> right. And so I was like, ignorance on fire. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I'm going to help you, but you're not going this way. Let's go somewhere else in your head. And I just became ignorance on fire and just like helping people wherever I went. In fact, I'll never forget. I was in the grocery store. And this is like about two, three months after this particular situation. I was in the grocery store and I heard this guy talking and I heard him saying same phrases that I used to say. And I literally looked at the guy and I said, hey, just don't kill yourself. And the guy looks at me like, okay, stranger, dude, <laughs> standing there in the grocery store. It's like, where did that come from? Because I, it's like I had been down that trail and I just wanted to run around and yell at people and go, watch out. You have to watch out. Don't go down this trail. There's a monster at the end, you know? And it's just because I, I didn't end up going there. It's like I want to run around and just warn people how slippery the slide is. But ignorance on fire was so good for me because it was like, I didn't know what to teach. I didn't know what to help. I was unorganized. I, I didn't know that it was going to turn into seminars and classes and reaching people over the world never in a million years because to me it was just like warn the people mm -hmm. about how dangerous this is whoa it was intense yeah yeah so how did you get to where you got to where now you get to warn lots of people okay so that's a trip you know so i'm like talking to people and i'm you know having these discussions with people one-on-one -on -one and I, at that point, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to charge for my time like I'm a life coach because life coach, mentor, teacher, presenter, I'm an introvert. I'm never going to do that stuff. I would never do that. And I would never ask for compensation because it's like, no, I because my my value would never be in a place at that point in my life that I would ever even think that thought. You know, so none of that even existed inside of me. I guess the first thing I really started doing is I started really listening to people. Mm. Like, listen to what people really say. And I don't know what happened. It's like my ears perked up. Or maybe, maybe what happened is I finally, like, I got outside myself. And I finally was concerned with the journey of somebody else. Hmm. Okay. Like where before it was like my journey, my life is crappy. You know, my, yeah. my life is hard. My life is what was me. I have problems. What was me? I make mistakes. And I think I was like really consumed with self that I couldn't hear other people's journeys or I didn't have the energy or time to even like, I can't even help myself. How could I ever yeah. help somebody else? You know what I mean? Right. Like you didn't have, you didn't have room to even like care. Exactly. Like there was, because I just couldn't fix my own problems. How could I ever help somebody else with their problem? You know, it's yeah. like, and I'm not, I guess the word would be like, I would never have felt qualified or right. credible or, or like you had something you could offer, right? Like, exactly. look at my life. <laughs> How can yeah. I help this other person? Because I was already doubting myself because yeah. that subconscious memory of, you know, sixth grade of 
hey, they're going I, so wrong. Yeah. yeah, I help people and look, they get zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, talk to me. I'll help you get a zero. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, there was nothing in me that I, at that back at that point that I feel like I had value. But now, even my ignorance on fire was not really education. It mm. was course correction. Yeah. Like I didn't even have anything to teach. I just didn't want people to kill themselves. Yeah. yeah. Well, you had the desire to help people, right? Yeah. Would you say that's where it started was just the desire? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would say I found the scariest place and it's tricky and slippery and manipulative. And if you're not watching, you're going to fall for it too kind of come from it's like oh crap if i almost fell for this other people are going to fall for this yeah and i just like literally felt myself going around going hey where are you going oh yeah. you're going that way don't don't go that way right really just, what should i do i don't know <laughs> just don't go that way, don't go that way. <laughs> all i knew was don't go this way don't do doubt don't yeah. do doubt i mean it's like i want that to be a t-shirt don't do doubt <laughs> you know it <laughs> It's just don't like do it. it. Yeah. It's like do something else, but just don't do doubt. Don't right. do it because you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know how bad it gets if you stay in that. And so I was just a don't do doubt kind of dude. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I was very unorganized, very ignorance on fire, but I, I felt like it, it was really weird. It's not like I felt like I mattered. It just felt like somebody needs to warn people. Mm -hmm. And I, I look around and I was like, how come nobody else is telling people don't do doubt? It's like, how come this not like, why are we not all running around saying, ah, what stop, you know? And, and so it was weird to me. I was like, it seems like I'm the only one like knows the danger of doubt. And well, then the, this is what happened is I, I would help a person mm -hmm. and then they'd bring me their friend. Hey, mm -hmm. tell my friend what you told me. Uh, okay. So then I'd repeat it. And then they would ask me questions and I would be like, well, um, okay, well, I think this and this and this, and then somebody else would bring me their friend. And then I would mm. repeat what I told the other person. And because they asked questions, I kind of knew a little bit more to say, and you can hear what's happening as I started, like, I'm saying the same things over and over and over again, and people are asking questions and then I have more to say. And then this person said, Hey, I've got a couple people and can you come over and tell us your story i'm like i can tell you my story and then after i tell the story people would come up to me and go oh wow that was a really good class mm. <laughs> like did i just teach a class <laughs> what are you talking about i know i didn't teach a class i just told you what happened and what to not do mm -hmm. just don't do doubt mm -hmm. and they're like yeah it's a really good class when's your next class <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm not <laughs> classes. And then the next group and the next group of five, the next group of seven and, and all these little classes would, or, you know, moments would pop up that I'd go tell my story. And then I'd get to the point of like, don't do this. And they'd say, well, what should we do? Um, <laughs> uh, let's come up with some things. And it just kept going. And I just didn't want people to do doubt because I knew where the, where it goes and what happens to people. And, and you don't know that it's going to get that bad. 
And I'll never forget this lady came to me and she says, I have a group of business owners. Can you come teach them? I go, I don't teach. (laughs) And she goes, okay, sorry. Come tell your story. Oh, (laughs) gotcha. I can do the story. (laughs) Told the story. And then some people raised their hand and said, I'm on that path right now. And it was like, what? And I remember in that class, I got super graphic about the negative thoughts and the negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And I like turned into like, I don't know, like this protective, I don't know, like a big brother protective kind of feeling. And I was like super raw and real with them and like made more than half of them cry and And they're just like, oh my goodness, I got to go home and help my teenager. I got to go help my husband. I got to help my wife. And like, it just caused this movement. And then they went and told people and then boom, all these other little classes popped up. I was like, oh crap, what is going on? (laughs) It just kind of happened to you. It It just happened because it's like, don't do this, do this. Watch out for this, do this. And that's all I was doing was warning people And then they had asked, well, what do we do if we're not going that way? What do we do? Because I kept looking for things and finding things for myself because I'm still like trying to figure myself out along the way. It's like building up to these classes. And all this was free. I was just doing these free things to help people. And then it started taking a lot of my time. And I was like, oh, boy, I'm still working at the warehouse. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this one person said, hey, I want you to come to this thing and I'm going to pay you. I was like, no, you don't pay me. But then after the event, they like shoved money in my pocket. And then I was able to go pay for a bill to fix my car. I was like, Mm. wait a minute. So I never really developed content. Mm. It wasn't like I sat down and thought up things to say. It was coming from my experience. It was coming from what I saw, what I realized. And I didn't try to package it into content. For actually a couple years. Wow. A couple years. And and then people are like, wow, you're really good at what you do, but you kind of need some training on how to do your class. And I'm like, I'm not doing a class. <laughs> I'm like, all right, maybe I should go get training. So I went to the class to learn how to get, you know, teach a class. And that lit my brain on fire. Like I could get organized. Like this makes sense. (laughs) It just escalated the effectiveness of my teaching and helping people. And the impact just went really deep into people. And it built my confidence. I'm like, okay, I have a class. (laughs) And now (laughs) I have a class. And now it's like real. And I'm really asking for compensation. And it just blew my mind. And I was like, I never grew up. I I wanted to be an architect. And I'm like, this is not an architect, maybe kind of, but because I'm helping build people instead of build buildings, right? Foundations and structures and frameworks. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is like kind of like architecture, but it's just different, you know, and have steps and plans. And I mean, it sounds like architecture, but, and then it took off. It just, it took off and it was a lot of hard work. I quit my other job to try to go out and do this on my own. I fell flat on my face for two years. Hardly anybody knows that story, but I fell on my face for two years, drained our accounts because I just couldn't ask for money. It was Mm. so bad. It was so bad. I finally, I met somebody who walked me through a process of how to see why I was having issues with money. And 
it helped a lot. And so then I could start to accept money because people are like wanting to pay me. And I'm like, okay, pay me. <laughs> and so it started to come in and it started to work. And, and I'll never forget the day this lady walked up to me after one of my classes and she says, can I hire you as my coach? I didn't know what that meant. I just said, yes. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, so what, how does this work? And I said, what do you want? And she said, well, I'd like to meet with you five times for one hour each time. Okay. <laughs> and she goes, oh, so you've coached before? Uh, no. <laughs> that means just meeting with you and talking to you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> and so my first coaching client literally sold me on the idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I, did, I, I didn't know what a coach was. I didn't yeah. know what a mentor was. I was out there just warning people, don't do doubt. And then I'm in my first appointment and she's like, okay, so what do we do? I said, what do you want? <laughs> and she goes, oh, I want this. Okay, let's go there. And it was so crazy. I mean, I, it literally, my journey has taught me, find what you don't want to happen to people. Because mm. I see so many people out there trying to be the, optimistic coach or the optimistic presenter. Like they just want to plant flowers and have a new coat of paint on everything. They just want everything to be better, better, better. And it's like, that's fine. But if you don't address the monsters and what can kill you, you can have roses in your flower bed and a new fresh paint on your house and die. Your dreams can die. Your passion can die. Your relationship can die. Your path can fall apart. And then the monsters chew your leg off because you weren't aware of the dangers of life. Mm. And it's it's kind of weird, but it's like, that's where I started was actually warning people. I didn't start out going, hey, let's be happy. Yeah. And so people are like, oh, you're a great personal development coach. I'm like, okay, you can give me that label. But actually what I am is I'm going to tell you where not to step mm -hmm. and what to watch out for. And that can be inspiring. That can be motivating to know if you know where not to step, now you know where to step. Does that make sense? But I come from a different approach and and nobody really knows this. Like what I'm sharing with you right now, nobody really knows this angle of my story. I've never told this before, hmm. this angle about how it's about warning people of the dangers of thoughts, the dangers of emotions that are out of control, the dangers of a life without a plan, the dangers of doubt. Yeah. It's like, you got to watch out for this and you got to don't go this way because this is what's going to happen. And I think we all know things to watch out for, but we feel like we're being like, I've heard people say they feel like they're being negative or pessimistic. And there's such a push to be positive and optimistic. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was just on one of my company meetings this morning and there's a class I'm going to be doing at my house coming up. There's a, We haven't announced it yet, but there's a class I'm going to be doing at my house and it's limited to like a very small group of people. Mm -hmm. And one of my uh, team members asked me a question about the class. And I said, well, here's my concerns. 
here's how it can go wrong. This can go wrong. This can go bad. This could go bad. And my team member goes, Kirk Duncan, I think you're being a little negative about <laughs> class and, and bless her soul, bless her soul, bless her soul. And she's one who tries to be optimistic and everything. And I said, Hey, if we were living in a Valley and there was an enemy in the other Valley and I knew how they were going to attack us and kill all of us, would you not want me to tell you what mm -hmm. we should do and what we should not do? And she goes, yeah, that's, that's, and I go, that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm okay talking about the dangers. Especially okay so that you can prepare. So yeah. Exactly. So you and can I, protect yourself. I, I feel like some coaches and some trainers out there are like, they don't want to tiptoe into talking about the dangers. Mm -hmm. And when they talk about the dangers, they just talk about it for like this teeny little moment. And then all this positivity for like 98% of their program and only 2% about the dangers. And it's like, if they don't know what can eat them or chew their leg off or they can die from, they're going to fall for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you were to go back to any class you've ever done with me, and if you were to listen carefully, more than half of the class, I would be warning about the dangers of this or the dangers of that. But I didn't, I didn't use the word danger. And then the other 40% would be about the positive or optimistic or, hey, this is how you move forward. Yeah. But I usually spend about 60 to 70% talking about what can hurt you or how you can hurt others. Because I feel like it's right now, it's just seen as negativities on the news. Oh, we shouldn't talk that way. And it's like, no, we really need to be talking about the realest dangers of life and the dangers of negative emotions, the dangers of doubt, the dangers of negative thoughts and what they're doing to people because there's too many people dying from thoughts and emotions. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. What would you say is like a good first step for overcoming the doubt? Right? Like, what do you do? Yeah. I would say over all my years, the number one thing you got to do is actually inventory them like if okay. you know what your doubts are they have power over you mm. in ways you have no idea like to list your doubts what are they now this freaks people out who are optimistic and positive features <laughs> cuz they think well if i write them down i'm going to manifest them it's like, mm -hmm. no, write them down so you can fix them. You can't fix something you can't see. Doubts don't just go away because you stuff positivity in you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen that way. Right. Doubts stay doubts until they're specifically worked on. You can stuff a person with 100 pounds of positivity and you got five ounces of doubt that five ounces of doubt will trash all that positivity. Mm -hmm. And so the first step is, what are my doubts? What yeah. are they? And to be able to go, uh, huh, I never thought about this. They kind of just pop up and then they go away. It's kind of like whack-a-mole. They show up and then they go down and you got to whack them before they go back <laughs> down. You're like, yeah, yeah. you got to catch them. Yeah. And, and so tracking your doubts is actually, it's about a two to three week process. 
because you just don't know where they all are until you actually are living your life and they pop up. Mm -hmm. And when they pop up, they're only there to ruin you. And really what a doubt is, it's a warning of a possible outcome that your brain doesn't want to experience again. So it is a healthy warning to self, but they can be out of control and mutated to the point it's actually ruining your life, ruining relationships, ruining your finances, but they will pop up and they literally can sometimes are only there for a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as your attention goes to something else, boop, they're gone. So Mm -hmm. you want to plan on, okay, for the next two to three weeks, I have a list on my phone called my doubts. Mm -hmm. And when they pop up, I'm stopping whatever I'm doing or even pull off the side of the road and I'm going to type them down so that I can at least see what's going on under the surface because mm. they, they pop back down. You, they're not like they're sitting on the top of your mind all the time. There's a few that you could pick out, but the most energetically charged ones that actually control your thinking and control your choices and control what you do and don't do those hide underneath the surface. Mm. But this is what you do. You plan on tracking. And then what you do is you set yourself some kind of three-week goal. Like there's something you want to do. Okay, I'm going to exercise for three weeks. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to clean my house every day for three weeks. Or I'm going to text people happy thoughts every day for three weeks. All you have to do is plan on doing something for three weeks. And along the way, these doubts will pop up because... It just does. You try to expand and become better and the doubts pop up. And so it can be literally anything you choose to do that you're going to do for three weeks and it will expose or trigger those doubts to pop up so you can see them. Mm -hmm. So that's step one is catch them. Yeah. And it is a tricky one. Very tricky because I think with that intensity of emotion that you're talking about, when it does pop up, I think our initial reaction is just to push it away and push it down and not feel. And then we're stuck, right? Because the doubt came up, it destroys our motivation, it destroys our ability to like move forward. And then we push it down and pretend like it's not there. And then we're just, we feel stuck in life. We feel like nothing good is coming. Well, I think fear comes along with that too. I think the doubts bring up fear you don't want to face you know these things about yourself you don't want to admit that these things are true that kind of thing it's powerful Mm -hmm. so your next question really is what's step two step two (laughs) (laughs) kirk what is step two can you share that with us thanks for asking okay so step two so now you got these doubts and it's like ugh. And maybe you have 10, I don't know, maybe five. I There was a person I was working with that um, they came up with like, they found like 35, 37, mm-hmm. right in that area. There was a, there, uh-huh. there was a but I've seen people have a hundred and some, you know, wow. so it, it's, but sometimes I meet people who have two mm-hmm. and, and their relationships are just wrecked. Their finances are just a mess. Their house is a mess. And they're like, I have two. And they're they're big monsters. And it's like, yeah, you don't have to have a lot to ruin your life. All you need is one to ruin your life. So the doubt, what's fascinating about it is 
the description of what it is. Because I, I said, listen to the doubts and write it down. You're going to be very surprised what you actually write down. I mean, out of all my years of coaching and training over these last 18 years of teaching seminars, I ask people, hey, do you have a list of your doubts? <laughs> Never have I met somebody who already pre-done the work and they already have a list of doubts. So it, it's always a surprise to people to go, okay, so what am I writing down? I go, well, when the doubt pops up, write it down. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what, is that a sentence? Is it a word? Is it a story? Is it a memory? Yeah. Any of those, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might have something pop up and there's a memory there and you're like, oh my goodness, this reminds me of sixth grade. <laughs> you're like, what happened in sixth grade? And it's like four pages long. And because I've had clients who are like, uh, so I wrote my doubts down and it's pages. And I said, pages of a bunch of them or details. They're like, no, it's like memories. Mm. I go, yeah. It, and so for some people, it comes out as memories. Some people, it comes out as a statement. Some people, it comes out as no recollection mentally, but a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like they go to do something and all of a sudden they just get super tired. It's like all of a sudden everything just shuts down. And they're like, yeah, anytime I go to work on my goal, all of a sudden I'm sleeping or I'm tired. I lay down, I sleep for four hours. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I go, you ought to write about that. And they go, what? I slept? <laughs> no, start out with, yeah. I was about ready to do this. And all of a sudden I got super tired. Mm-hmm. I said, there's more there, but you got to write what happened, write what happened to your body, to your mind, to your emotions, to your memories. So the whole tracking of doubt is very fascinating. What gets found. Mm -hmm. So it makes step two kind of need to have some options because I don't know if the person's going to find memories. I don't know if they're going to find emotions phrases or emotions or physical behaviors like all of a sudden they just go eat the whole bag of chips and they have no idea how that just happened (laughs) you know or they sit down on the couch and they say i'm just gonna sit here for a minute (laughs) and then they're sleeping for four hours so it's like but they're scrolling on instagram that's a big one right now (laughs) i'm just gonna watch one youtube video and then i'll go (laughs) out and then it's like oh youtube is Three and a half hours of YouTube. <laughs> oh, it's the biggest <laughs> rabbit hole YouTube is. <laughs> and, and these things are escapes is what they actually are. They're distractions, entertainment, but they also get mainly used as escapes of pressing forward because then we have to deal with a doubt. Mm-hmm. So since we don't want to wrestle with all that, we <laughs> go to the escapes, food, videos, whatever, whatever it is. So, so step two, let me, I'll give you the concept of step two, but it varies with the people. So step one is identify what the doubts are and make a list. Then step two is, is to be able to extend the details about what you just found. Mm -hmm. Like sit still for a minute and go, what else happened? Because whatever comes up is what's above the surface for the doubt. The doubt also below the surface has extended branches or roots. 
And so if we tried to fix the doubt with just what's above the ground, it's like grabbing the weed, snapping it off at Mm. the surface. Mm -hmm. It means that you'll be snapping that doubt off every five to seven days for the rest of your life. And it never goes away. And so that's not very productive to do it that way. So when the doubt pops up, like a tree doesn't just jump out of the ground and say, hey, look at my roots. <laughs> it's still, it doesn't. It, it A tree sits there and the roots are always out of sight. Mm-hmm. So step two is what else is there behind this doubt? And, and so you you have your list. That was step one. Step two is what else is there for Dig this deep. particular? Yeah. And, and you're pondering like, Oh, funny. This is really funny. Yeah. Anytime I want to like move forward with my life, all of a sudden I get tired. Or if I'm going to make a phone call, I get munchy. Or if I'm going to make a video for my business, all of a sudden I'm buying pizza. You know, it's like, and and so to be able to ponder and go, why am I buying pizza? What do I feel? What do I think? Because now you're going inside. So inside means there's a story or a thought or an emotion. So there's something I feel or something I'm thinking, or there's some kind of story. So those are the three things I look for is like, Hey, when I go get my bag of chips and I'm just munching like crazy, is there a story behind this? Like, no. What are my thoughts behind this? I don't know. Maybe I just don't want to make phone calls. Okay. Write that down. I just don't (laughs) want to make phone calls. And then ask yourself the question, why don't I want to make phone calls? Oh, because if I made a phone call, then I have to talk to people. Well, what would happen if you talk to people? Well, then they'd hear me and they might think I sound stupid. Oh, now we're starting to get to the doubt. Mm. So whatever you find, you ask yourself, well, why do I want to eat the chips? Or why do I want to take a nap? Or why do I want to do You're just asking why. You're trying to be a four-year-old. You know, because four-year-olds are, well, why is this sky blue? Why do we have to clean our room? Why do we have to do this? But the why question is not an interrogation. It's out of curiosity, wanting to understand self. So number one is make the list. Number two, be curious. What else could be there? Now, step three is perspective. So when I found my sixth grade story and I had told everybody the answers to the math uh, assignment, and they all got zeros. Six years ago, I found the story. So that means I was 48 years old. And in sixth grade, how old are we? We're- 12, 11, yeah, 11. 11, 12. Yeah, so so in, in sixth grade, I'm 11, 12. And so I have to realize and document This story happened when I was 12. Next to my description, this is step three, perspective. I get to see it from my 12-year-old point of view, right? Because that's what happened in step two is to write out the rest of the details about it. Step three is I now get to either write out or look at that story as a 48-year-old. Looking back on my 12 year old self. Yeah. Step three is to change the perspective. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't identify the doubt, I don't write the details and I don't change the perspective, that 12 year old Kirk inside still 
feels stupid. And it doesn't go away until I change my perspective on what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Right. And so now I get to go, oh, wow, I found this story. And, and there's this, and yeah, I was 12 years old. And, and that's what happened was this, 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 and this. And now I'm 48. How am I going to look at this story? How would I go back to my 12 year old and explain the situation? So now I'm changing the perspective and growing myself up to be 48 about this story. Yeah. Because the brain doesn't automatically bump up stories to the age we're at. It doesn't. It doesn't take past stories. Oh, and as you grow up, it grows up the wisdom of it. It holds the story as is. And if I don't go back mm-hmm. and look at the story from a new, more wise, smart, educated point of view, the story never changes and the story still has an effect on me and causes me to hesitate, procrastinate and mess up my life, my relationships and my finances, messes up everything. So now at my step three, I now get to look at this. And what I do is I actually write out my perspective. And what I do is I go, dear 12 year old Kirk, hey, I found a story you were involved in. Here's what happened. And I'm writing a letter to the age in which the story happened. Hey, this is what happened. This is what you thought about yourself. But let me explain some things to you. (laughs) And then I write out, hey, this is what happened. Your mom didn't understand the math. She tried her best. You went and tried your best. This is what happened. This is what happened to the people. This is what the teacher said. This is what you learned. And oh, by the way, this has helped you become the way you are today. And so I can like help grow up that 12 year old. That step three is changing the perspective. Now that whole process, step one, two, and three for that particular doubt, I don't delete that. I save it. Mm. Because if a month from now, I'm kind of feeling like it still has an influence on me. I'll go back and reread all the details Mm -hmm. and remind myself we've grown up over that. We remember now like, oh, yep, that happened, but it doesn't mean this about me anymore. The meaning I took on is not the meaning I'm carrying forward. That was a learning experience. So I assign a new meaning to it of that taught me, that woke me up. That means I need to pay attention in school. I need to ask the teacher questions. I need to, if it's about math, go to the math teacher not just go to anybody, go to the source. Like that's what it taught me. Yeah. Those are the three that when I'm working with somebody personally, in fact, in the last six months, I've had two clients that we did a deep dive on their doubts and neutralized just a big handful of doubt stories. And both of these clients are just on fire now. Mm -hmm. Like they're naturally motivated Like they're more courageous, they're more determined. And it's just exciting to see how changing the inside of them, what it does to the outside of them. I mean, really, if you want something to change, you got to do the change on the inside. Mm -hmm. Sooner or later, you got to do the change on the inside, the roots. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I don't, did I I explain that in a way? 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not going to be a new concept for a lot of our listeners, too. No. Yeah. We, it's psychology 101. Yeah, it, it really it is. is. Yeah, anyway. but understanding 
and then putting it to practice are two totally different things. They I think are. it's easier yeah. to understand than to, to do. do. Mm-hmm. And I Got think it. the do is the most important piece, right? Yeah, like true. we can learn and hear and understand. And what I like about what you've said is just very clearly outlining those steps and how to do that and what it sounds like and what it looks like and what some of the words you can use. So so here's the shortcut. <laughs> here's the shortcut. I, like short, I love shortcuts. Same. So please. <laughs> once, you, once you know something really well, there's always a shortcut. Mm-hmm. So, so here's the shortcut. Let's say I got a presentation coming and I'm like nervous about it. Okay. Nervous is a sign of doubts bouncing around. They can't mm-hmm. quite grab you by the throat, but they're just bouncing around wanting to stop you, but they're just like, and so that creates that, you know, so it's a bunch of little tiny doubts, just frenzy. And let's say I have a frenzy going on. I can, the shortcut is, I know this is doubt. I know it comes from my past. This is who I am. This is what I'm becoming. This is why I do it. To just own the moment. I know these are doubts. I know it comes from my past. This is who I am. This is where I'm going. And this is why I'm doing it. Like those are the statements. I know this is doubts. I know this comes from my past. This is who I am. This is where I'm going. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like you need to clarify and take control of your mind right when the doubt comes up. So it's that ownership. You you got to run your body, not your let your body run you. Because most people are subject to what their body does and feels. But we're like literally cluttered with memories. And if we let our memories control us, we will never, ever reach our full potential. There's no way. So we have to be the ones to drive our body, drive our mind, and be able to push forward with it and go, I know these are doubts. I know they're from the past. I'm very aware of what's happening. But this is who I am. And this is where I'm going. And this is why I'm doing this. And, and you answer those, you know, you, I mean, the who I am and where I'm going and this is why I do it. You got to come up with the, what that is. What, like, what's your information about that? But if you always back down because of how you feel, you will never get to where you truly could. Because most feelings come from past mistakes. They come from there. That's people's biggest problems is they let past feelings pull them back, pull them down, and then they don't do the thing. Right, because they're still stuck in the past, where they were. You can't get to anywhere else. That's what procrastination is. That's what hesitation is. That's what avoidance is. That's what munching and doing all these, you know, escaping is, (laughs) is because the feelings have more control over the body than they have control over their body. You have to be conscious and go, oh, these are doubts. Guess what? I got doubts. I don't know what they are, but I don't have time to process them. But I got doubts. And I know they come from my past. And if I follow those, I will repeat my past. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to follow those. I am. This is who I am. And this is where I'm going. And this is where mm-hmm. I'm going. This is why I'm doing it. And you literally in the moment are taking charge of yourself. Because if you don't take charge, 
who are you giving the in charge to? Oh, your past. That's right. When you were 12 years old, you're going to let your 12-year-old self make the decision. You're going to make your 12-year-old self make the decisions in relationships and your finances and run away and hide and cry. That 12-year-old doesn't know what to do. Our last month self has no idea what to do with today. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's not fair to ask a 12-year-old to do no. that. <laughs> hey, 12-year-old. Uh, hey, kid on the street, 12-year-old. Will you come run my relationship, my finances, yeah. and my business? And right. bring all your emotions with you. Right. I have a 12-year-old, so I know what that was. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work. So the shortcut is, oh, this is a doubt. <laughs> I know it comes from my past, and it's got some story, but I don't have time. This is a shortcut. I know it's a doubt. It's coming from my past. This is who I am today. This is where I'm going with what I'm doing. And this is why I'm doing this. And when you give the reasons why, you have to give more than three. Because okay. it's the reasons that shift your mind to follow your commands. Because if not, they will go back. Mm -hmm. And if you have reasons you will find your power moving forward. But that is like the coolest shortcut ever. Oh, I love that. That is Self awesome. Self-mastery shortcut right there. Yeah. Yeah. Very just good. clearly outline that and you're just going to address those doubts as soon as they come and just blow them away. There's this one time I literally was yelling at myself. <laughs> I was like, this is a don't what are you doing <laughs> don't follow it it's gonna ruin <laughs> us did you forget who we are this is who i am this is where i'm going <laughs> this is why i'm doing this because <laughs> i was like oh my gosh quit bringing this up like i gotta get this done the biggest wrestle of the human being is with past mm -hmm. that's it it's, it's the past is trying to like take over every day. And if we keep doing that, we keep staying there. Yeah. But really, you look at people, you listen to people, they live in the past. Mm -hmm. They don't get a new day, a new life, a new opportunity. They're just repeating the same stuff that got them in trouble the last time. You can tell I can get on my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, but I, I really believe you got to like get involved and talk to yourself. And, yeah. and if you're walking through the grocery store talking to yourself, so be it. Hey, mom, that guy's talking to himself. <laughs> but they hear me in the struggle against my past so I can be in the present and live in the future. I want to be up here. Yeah. I want to be in the creation zone, not the reaction zone. One thing I love, Kirk, about what you do is you walk the walk. The talk. Just talk, you walk the talk, you walk the talk, <laughs> I'll fix that. you walk the talk. And, you know, you don't just encourage people to do this. Like, this is how you live and you know, you're going to have your doubts and you know what to do when the doubts come. And you have accomplished a lot because of this one principle. It works. And it's huge. It's simple. One thing we talked about in our last interview, interview yeah. was the difference between simple and easy. It's not always easy. But I think if you do the simple steps, it becomes easier. If you ponder the question, what would I do if I had zero doubt? What would I do if I had zero doubt? And where would my life be 
if I had zero doubt for the last year, yeah. what would be done? What would be finished? What would be, where would I be? And it's like, you ponder that just for a moment. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I can see the doubts ripping me off. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's costing me money and time and sanity and, you know, experience and progress. I mean, it's just, it's super expensive. It is super expensive. And what's unfortunate is adults who don't address their doubt pass the doubts on to their children. Mm. And those who don't address their doubts pass their doubts on to other people because they think it's a reality. People think that their past doubts that are now current doubts, they think that's the way the world is, but it's only true for them. And so it's just sad because people live in all these little worlds around us and they literally are trapped by their own thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the devil senses it and he goes, oh, there's a weak person. Let's go beat him up. And that bothers me. That keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Don't beat up on my friend. I'm going to go teach him. Yeah. And I love that you have that passion and you see so clearly what that purpose is, right? You are going to help people to be able to not go down the path of doubt and accomplish things and create things and do amazing things. Yeah. In the Bible, it talks about hope leads to faith and faith leads to miracles. So it makes sense why the devil wants us to breathe, eat, and sleep doubt, because then we'll never figure out how to produce a miracle. And I really believe that every person is to learn how to create hope, which then becomes, as it grows, it becomes faith and they become unstoppable. And then they literally become a person who is participating and co-creating and part of miracles. And I really believe that that's all of our potential is to be able to create those levels of miracles that are shocking, surprising, exciting, fulfilling, And that's just the way it is. We're here to learn how to be part of and create our own miracles. But we can't get there when doubt is eating us for lunch. We just can't. Mm -hmm. And and it's so I I subscribe to miracles. I unsubscribe to doubt. I love it. I love it too. That's really good. It is so good. Yes, we should. We should all unsubscribe to doubt and subscribe to miracles. Let's do it right now. At the bottom of the message, unsubscribe. You just (laughs) click all. And and, and when you unsubscribe from doubt, it takes you off of fear and worry and anxiety. You have to unsubscribe from all those different channels, but you just click unsubscribe to doubt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. True. I, I love that you shared this and I love how we've been sharing with our listeners the journey of this podcast. It took us two and a half years to launch. And, you know, that's a lot of what the work was that Julie and I have been doing is really figuring out what are what are these doubts? What are these emotions that are getting in the way and what do we do with them? And, you know, I just want to say it's a journey. Right. It, and it's that persistence in us continuing to come back and address it when the things come up, getting back on track when we get off track that led us here today to this moment. And so, like Julie said, it's not always easy, but it is pretty simple. Right. We get back on track. We figure out what those doubts are. We re remember what our mission is and what we want to create and to unsubscribe from. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and anything is possible. Those miracles will happen. I love the word create. It's been a theme for my life in the last, it's been two, two years. This is like a big creation of ours, this podcast. So I don't know. It's just really cool to be able to discover the, I guess, the talent that I already have and like learn to expand my talents and stuff. So I don't cool. know. Creation That's is cool. very cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, Kirk, I want to to ask you if there's any other specific thoughts you'd like to leave us with before we wrap up today. So a story. I got a story. Okay. Okay. So I was sitting in my truck and my grandson said, Poppy, I want to drive. Okay. <laughs> Come here. Now, if you let a four-year-old drive, you kind of have an idea how this is going to turn out, right? <laughs> like I can't just switch seats with him, right? <laughs> I don't just get out and say, hey, jump up in there, you know, go for it. We just understand that it's, he doesn't quite know how. So anyway, I stay in my seat. He comes over and he kind of, he can't sit down because he can't see over the dash. He kind of has to like kind of squat and kind of hold onto the steering wheel. He can't push the pedals because of course his legs aren't long enough. And I said, okay, you got the steering wheel? Yeah. And he's like, let go, Poppy. You need to let go. <laughs> okay. I let go and my hands are off, but you know, my hands are super close, right? To grab the wheel. Cause we kind of have an idea what's going to happen. <laughs> and we're on a road in the neighborhood. And I said, okay, you're going to have to turn because I'm going to let go of the brake. And I didn't even need to push the gas. It just starts rolling, right? Yeah. So I let go of the brake and we're going and he's all excited. And he just starts yanking the wheel all over the place, <laughs> you know, because he just wants to drive. And sure enough, within about 20 feet, we are pointed right at the neighbor's truck on the side of the road. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, you have to turn. Uh, what do I do? And he's turning the wrong way. We're about ready to drive up <laughs> on the lawn. And I go, no, you have to turn the other way. And he turns a tiny bit and there's not enough room to turn. There's not enough room to miss the truck. And I said, oh, you got to turn more. You got to turn more. I am, I am. I know you have to turn more. And of course, at the last second, he lets go. And <laughs> I grab the steering wheel. And of course we miss the truck. And in my mind, I'm giggling and reviewing that I am in a body. I am in a body. My soul is in a body and the body is the vehicle. And my brain is the steering wheel. And my soul has, got, I mean, my soul has got to keep its hands on the steering wheel to turn the mind so that the body will turn. I pick where I'm going and my job here on this planet is to learn how to drive. That's what it's all about. Where am I going and do I know how to drive? Or am I some youngster who is heading up the lawn or going to hit the parked car or just lets go of the steering wheel thinking somebody else is going to figure this out for me. But we're adults. And if we haven't learned how to drive our mind, steer the mind to drive the body, 
we better start paying attention so we can yeah. get where we want to go. And that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to get where they want to go, but it's like, did you learn how to drive? Mm -hmm. And I think you bring up a good point that sometimes we need the person and sitting next to us that is right there, ready to help us to grab the steering wheel and right? figure out how to drive. To go, wait, 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 hold on. Yeah. Turn. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Do, do everything you can to learn how to steer the mind and to be able to drive the body, you know, to be able to point it in the right direction. And that's what I love about personal development, education, mm -hmm. skill-based training, just get as much as we can, but it comes down to where am I going? And do I have my hands on the steering wheel, which is my mind? And if I didn't get where I wanted to get today, then somewhere I let go. Something happened. And I'm always curious about that. And so I, I share that with you. And, and, uh, I just, I love this world. It's challenging. It's thrilling. It makes me cry. It makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but every day when I think about the root principles of why I'm here, I'm learning how to create, I'm learning how to, how miracles happen. And I'm learning how to drive my body. Those three things, create miracles, drive my mind, drive my body. And if I can get those down when I die, I think I'm going to be at a good place on the other side and then help yeah. as many people as possible along the way. I love it. Right. I love what you guys are doing. Good job Thanks. on this. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, and I just want to say, I think it's amazing the journey that you've been able to share with us today, because it was getting to that low point that gave you the passion to get to this place now where you are today. And, you know, we're, we're going to have listeners and they're going to be all kinds of places in this journey. And even the dark times can give us sometimes the most incredible purpose that we've ever seen in our life. And I love that story. I love that even today, that story is a big piece of what you do and where that passion comes from. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how dark it might look. There are seeds of passion and wisdom and opportunity and growth and creation within all of us. That's beautiful. That's true. I subscribe. <laughs> yeah. I just want to thank you, Kirk, so much for being willing to come on the podcast today with us. Like I really can't express the gratitude that I have for you. Every time I listen to you speak, it fills my heart and my mind and my body with inspiration and is so helpful. And you literally have been that person in the seat next to me, helping me to figure out how to drive when it comes to my life and the things that I want to create in my life. So I want cool. to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and I love that we're all on the same team. We're all yeah. doing the work together. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So thank Yeah. Julie, do you want to finish us up today? <laughs> yeah, are you good? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I told Julie I might cry. So yeah. <laughs> Now, Julie introduced me to you too. And I think that what you offer is very valuable and I've seen it change a lot of people's lives. So I really appreciate it too. Yeah. And a big way you've actually inspired this for us too. So I think that's awesome. But thank you so much for joining us today and for telling your story. I know it's going to be valuable for a lot of people. Just want to thank our listeners too. We appreciate you. And you're always welcome to reach out. We're on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Your Courageous Journey. Our email is ycjpodcast at gmail.com. You can 
ask questions, tell us your story, anything. So we appreciate you all. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.